1: heading south. You your passport ready? Yes. Vaccine cards ready? Yes. yes. The U.S. border reopens to travelers with one major roadblock for the return trip.
2: Sentencing for the man behind the Masonic Hall Arsons. the dark thoughts that motivated him and why he says he should be punished.
1: And tornado confirmed no. how that damaging UBC wind was no ordinary storm.
3: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. After a closure lasting nearly 20 months, the Canada U.S. land border has now reopened to non essential travel.
2: Snowbirds were lining up to head south as soon as they could, but so far the day trippers seem to be staying away. Grace Key joins us now live from near the Peace Arch. Grace, what's the border lineup like down there now?
4: Well, if you are thinking of crossing the border now, it would be a great time. I think I've counted maybe half a dozen cars within the last half hour. And that's pretty much what we've seen for most of the day, pretty much a zero to five minute wait time. How's everything looking? You all ready for tomorrow? Absolutely. Can't wait. They were lined up near the duty-free parking lot at the Peace Arch Crossing, waiting to drive over the border at exactly 9 p.m. Pacific time on Sunday, some arriving a few hours early,
5: raring to go. have been waiting 20 months to get back to our uh, winter home in Casa Grande, Arizona. Looking forward to the border opening uh, tonight at 9.01 uh, because it's 12.01 Eastern time. Came over on an early ferry
6: because the ferries were booked up all day. I'm from, Vi- I'm from Victoria, as I said, on Vancouver Island. And uh, yeah, I just thought it would, uh, I thought there's going to be a huge lineup here. We
7: got here pretty early. We've been waiting for this time for over a month now. Uh, to cross and see my new daughter-in-law who lives in Seattle.
4: The U.S. has officially opened its borders for fully vaccinated Canadians. As you might expect with the pricey PCR test for anyone returning to Canada, most heading south were not your casual travelers. The
8: ones here up by Blaine, the, the wait times have not been very significant. They've been, I've been watching them with we have a border wait times app and I've been looking at them on there and they They've been pretty consistently around five minutes, so that's not even really that bad. It's been pretty calm.
4: The busiest it ever got at the Peace Arch crossing was at 7 a.m. with a 20-minute wait time, but it dropped off considerably starting at 10 a.m. with no wait. Travelers were anxious to get back to their properties.
5: We winter down in Yuma and, uh, yeah, enjoy the sunshine, get out, walk around, hike in the desert. And no shoveling snow.
9: Just
10: so Joy. happy to be here.
5: Too much rain here. Too much
10: rain. <laughs> We're done with winter.
2: 19 months. We just bought a place in Mexico before the COVID shutdown. And so it's been that long since we've been there.
4: So we did check some other border wait times. We found Grass, Montana earlier this afternoon had up to a three hour wait time at one point.
2: It's a lot of Albertans heading south. All right, thanks very much. (laughs) Grace Key reporting for us live. In the border town of Blaine, expectations were sky high that the reopening would lead to an immediate increase in cross-border visitors and business. As you've seen, so far that's not the case. Let's bring in our Jordan Armstrong, who is there tonight. Jordan, Blaine businesses aren't pulling any punches. To them, there's an obvious reason they believe Canadians are staying away.
11: That's exactly right, Chris. Here, I have to tell you, it sort of feels like a party no one showed up to. They were excited leading up to today. There was a lot of planning. They put up signs and banners like the one you see behind me. But in the end, at least on this side, not much to celebrate. Canadian
2: customers?
8: (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) <laughs>
11: Canadian customers, so rare that by mid-afternoon the thought of a Canuck walking through the door at Mailboxes International had become a punchline. The Blaine business depends on Canadians for 95% of its sales, and Monday was a major disappointment
3: for the owner. You can call the border open all you want, but the reality is if it's going to cost 150 to $200 to come across, then that's a massive deterrent.
11: A deterrent both he and Congresswoman Susan Del Bene say needs to be addressed.
12: We have folks who come just by for a few hours, and um, and so we want it to be as easy as possible. Clearly, we want it to be safe. I think we can do both. I think we can have something that's streamlined. Lots of little appetizers and mini baguettes.
11: And the Bellingham Trader Joe's is a favorite destination for B.C. shoppers, but the only British Columbians we found here were snowbirds. Going to Arizona, yeah. and so we're going back... Uh, First chance in a year and a half. Or in Washington for several days to visit friends and family. No day trippers. Are you surprised to see so few Canadians here today?
3: I am, actually. I thought for sure everyone would be at Trader Joe's.
11: At Bellingham Airport, discount carrier Southwest has just launched service to popular destinations like Las Vegas. But the long-term parking lot is still dominated by American plates. A cheap ticket, not so cheap when you factor in the PCR test to come home. Back in Blaine, the streets are still quiet. The business owners are still waiting for the return of their core customers.
3: The only thing that's going to change for us is when normal border traffic is restored.
11: And I'll leave you with one more anecdote from down here. One of the clerks at Trader Joe's told us that the Bellingham locals were stocking up this weekend, predicting this massive wave of Canadians coming down to clear the shelves. Didn't happen, Chris. Well, Jordan,
2: yeah, we know know you got your Tillamook cheese, I bet. You better bring some into the newsroom. Thanks very much, my friend.
1: (laughs) It's a big day on Vancouver Island as well, with the Coho Ferry resuming round-trip service between Victoria and Port Angeles, Washington.
2: The vessel... As iconic as it is, took Canadian travelers across the border and into the U.S. for the first time since the pandemic began. And as Kylie Stanton reports, the tourism industry hopes this is a sign of better days ahead.
7: Through the horns and the sirens, this is the sound. Everyone has been waiting to hear.
13: This is a great day because it's the first time that that we're open.
8: Wonderful. Tourism is alive again.
7: After 589 days away, the Coho Ferry and its passengers are welcomed back to Victoria's inner harbour with a flotilla involving the fire department, Coast Guard, even the Victoria Harbour ferries.
8: This is the progress within the pandemic, so little by little we're getting back to the way things were before.
7: The vessel has served the region for 60 years, carrying up to 1,000 passengers and 115 vehicles. Where are you going?
4: I'm
7: First sailing, departing from Canada, booked solid with snowbirds. We're going to Arizona. Long desert, here we come. A long time coming for everyone. From the crew,
14: kind of emotional,
7: to the president.
14: It's a great day. Welcome, you know, everybody back. And obviously just the connection between the two communities.
7: But it's not all smooth sailing just yet. While travelers must be fully vaccinated to enter the U.S. or Canada, regardless of citizenship, to disembark here, passengers must submit a negative COVID-19 PCR test result. And with just a handful of vehicles arriving on the first northbound route, It's already proving to be a challenge.
14: That was expected with the PCR, but generally we're very happy and uh, we're realistic that it it will slow up in a little while here in a couple of weeks and hopefully we can still get enough business to um, operate.
7: The link to the U.S., particularly Washington State, is a vital one, especially when it comes to tourism. And while it may not bounce back right away, things are finally moving in the right direction.
8: We know it's going to take a while for these connections to get up and going fully. We understand that. But being open and operating is way preferable than being closed.
7: With the last vehicle loaded, the horn blasts. And after all this time, it's never sounded so good. Kelly Stanton, Global News, Victoria.
2: All right, let's take a look at the latest COVID-19 numbers. Remember, it's three reporting periods, and we have 1,438 new cases confirmed since Friday afternoon. 17 more people died over the weekend. We've seen a drop in hospitalizations. 407 patients are being treated there. 121 are in the ICU. Right now, we have just over 4,200 active cases, and 86% of eligible people 12 and over are now fully immunized. Meanwhile, for the first time, we're getting some data about how many health care workers have tested positive for COVID-19 since the beginning of the pandemic. Our Keith Baldry joins us now with the details. Keith, who's been most affected?
5: Yeah, very interesting data released today by the Center for Disease Control. As you say, we've been wondering for some time how many healthcare workers have had COVID-19, and the numbers I'm about to show you explain why, in, in many ways, why we have a vaccination mandate in that sector. So no surprise, the people with the most cases are the people who are in the most hazardous situation. Long-term care aids at the most at 19.8%. Nurses close behind. Those two job categories alone have about 35% of all the cases, which numbers almost 11,000 since the pandemic began. And then you see a big drop down of administration, LPNs, housekeeping, dentists, and physicians. 340 physicians got COVID-19 uh, since the pandemic began. So, again, this is more than 5% of the workforce, which is extended beyond just acute care. This in- includes long-term care, community health, and family physicians as well. So more than 5% got COVID-19. Again, explains why we have a vaccination mandate. Tomorrow, we're going to get a breakdown from uh, Health Minister Adrian Dixon, Dr. Bonnie, briefing, uh, Bonnie Henry at the 130 briefing of the unvaccination rate amongst the job categories. There's about 50 different occupations in in the broad public health sector, and we're going to get get a breakdown on who's not vaccinated in there. Uh, The number I can tell you now of people not vaccinated has dropped again by just a bit down to 3,035. Again, many of those are casual workers, but we're going to get a full breakdown of exactly how many nurses, how many doctors, how many LPNs, how many of the different 50 occupations are unvaccinated and therefore are put on unpaid leave. All that tomorrow all right, look forward to that. Thank you, Keith. Right.
1: The man who set fire to three Masonic Halls in Metro Vancouver last March has been sentenced to 40 months in custody. Ramina Dea was in the courtroom today where she lear- or where we learned what may have motivated the crimes. Uh-huh. $2.5 million in damage
12: at three Masonic Halls set on fire in less than an hour, March 30th. Two halls in North Vancouver and one in East Vancouver.
2: He just set the building on fire.
12: 43-year-old Benjamin Coleman, who pleaded guilty to three counts of arson in September, has been sentenced to 40 months jail. With credit for time served, he has roughly two years and four months left.
3: The Freemasons in British Columbia are pleased with sentencing uh, handed down by the provincial courts here in British Columbia against Mr. Coleman. We think that it's an appropriate sentence.
12: What was the motive? Guardian angels were telling Coleman to burn the buildings down, to stop the Illuminati from using mind control, said Crown and Defense.
6: There was an element of um, some paranoia and some delusion um, regarding what Mr. Coleman thought um,
12: was going on uh, kind of in his mind. The judge obligated to take into consideration Coleman's indigenous background. His father was a residential school survivor. Coleman, just five years old, when his dad killed his mother and later committed suicide. He has struggled with mental health and addiction issues since he was a teen. Mr.
6: Coleman, from the very beginning, uh, took responsibility for his actions. He communicated to me his apologies his understanding of the harm done and his remorse for that.
13: The
12: trauma to the Freemasons community and the risk of death to the public and first responders weighed by Judge Bakken, who also took into account Coleman's remorse and the evidence he did not intend to kill or injure anyone because he checked the buildings to make sure no one was inside before he lit them on fire.
8: So the judge has to balance out all of those. So the, the message to the public is you need to be aware of all of the surrounding circumstances and arriving at, at an opinion as to whether or not the, the sentence was appropriate or not.
12: The judge telling Coleman she hopes he gets the help uh, he needs eye. in prison for the good of himself and society. Romina Dea, Global News.
2: Vancouver police completed an epic crackdown on shoplifting in the downtown core after what they say is a dramatic uptick in violent incidents.
1: They say it's so bad, thousands of dollars of goods are being stolen and retail employees are afraid to go to work. The numbers seem to back that up. Just this weekend, there were 32 people arrested with 71 charges laid. Kristen Robinson has more on the disturbing trend.
13: <laughs> More than a year after a woman walked out of her downtown Vancouver boutique with an ottoman over her shoulder, Vancouver. the street disorder Vancouver. is continuing to creep closer to Sunan Spriggs' storefront, forcing her to lock the doors during evening hours to keep staff and customers safe.
1: Unfortunately, it's probably gotten worse at this point. We actually had an incident where somebody did shoplift. One of my customers was good enough to actually kind of chase them out and get the product back.
13: Vancouver police made 32 shoplifting arrests just this past weekend, including a man and woman accused of stealing 47 pairs of Lululemon pants worth nearly $6,000, an armed man who walked out of 7-Eleven with donuts, and a suspect who threatened a Pacific Centre dollar store security guard with a butcher knife.
5: Weapons that we're commonly seeing are things like uh, needles, Knives, bear spray, physical force, or other blunt blunt objects that are used to intimidate staff members.
13: Violent shoplifting incidents continue to soar in the city. Between January 1st and October 15th, police investigated 130 cases in 2019. That number jumped to 752 last year, a nearly 500% spike, and 844 during the same period this year, a 12% increase over 2020.
2: It's incredibly frustrating. These are small business owners mostly uh, who invest a lot in their business and they've gone through a lot over the past 18 months just to stay in business. It can be demoralizing but even more it can be a real hit to the bottom line.
13: The downtown Vancouver BIA wants to see chronic offenders targeted and consequences for those who vandalize businesses and harass employees.
1: Okay I'm going to call the cops. You got to go. It's extremely frustrating as a business owner, as just a compassionate person to see that businesses are suffering and these individuals are suffering. We're all suffering. So what the money that's being spent isn't helping businesses, it's not helping these people either. So we need to come up with a better solution. They're smoking crack right now on my stairs.
13: So. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A surprisingly big haul
1: for Burnaby RCMP and a one-night crackdown on unlicensed drivers. A total of 10 drivers were caught without a license as they entered Burnaby on Sunday. Two received an indefinite prohibition for being repeat offenders. A total of 27 violations were issued during the operation.
2: Surrey RCMP are looking for some help to locate a 13-year-old girl. Jaya Baker, was last seen on November 6th. At Waterfront Station in Vancouver. Her family and police are very concerned about her well being. She's described as a white female with brown eyes and brown curly hair. She was last seen wearing a black hoodie, red top, and dark pants, and carrying a black and white reusable bag. Anyone with information is asked to contact Surrey RCMP or Crime Stoppers.
1: Well, today is a special day for indigenous veterans. A chance to commemorate their unique sacrifice, both at war and when they came home. Why life for many of them was never the same. Next on the News Hour:
2: New details about the Travis Scott tragedy and how the victims and their families are holding the rapper personally responsible for what happened.
1: And a sure sign nature is healing in Las Vegas. The return of all-you-can-eat buffets. Later.
2: Right now, though, Remembrance Day, of course, is on Thursday, but ceremonies have been held across the country today to recognize the special contributions and sacrifices of indigenous military vets.
1: As Catherine Urquhart reports, it's taking on even greater significance this year as part of reconciliation. At Victory Square in downtown
10: Vancouver, a ceremony to mark National Indigenous Veterans Day. It's a ceremony of our veterans and our ancestors and a joyful day. Several dozen gathered for the private ceremony, reflecting on contributions and sacrifices of the thousands of Indigenous people who have served.
15: I think it's a good start. Um, we obviously have a long way to go in the relationship with Indigenous people in in Canada.
10: It was also a time to acknowledge how Indigenous veterans were not treated the same as non-Indigenous vets.
9: Not so long ago,
8: and
15: even uh, when this started 17 years ago, just, just before it started, I would come for November 11th and was treated pretty horribly. They sacrificed so much when they went off to
8: war. A lot of them came back and they lost their status. They were ostracized. like They they just uh, faced a lot of prejudice.
10: Premier John Horgan issued a statement saying in part... On this somber day of reflection, we remember those who never made it home. We also recognize those who returned home forever changed by conflict and acknowledge the sacrifice of their service. I encourage all British Columbians to take a moment today to reflect on the contributions of Indigenous veterans and today's active service members, lest we forget. At Cates Park in North Vancouver, another ceremony on this National Indigenous Veterans Day. It was important for me that my dad is recognized for not only his service in, for the U.S. and in the Gulf War, but also in our community. Many of these heroic veterans say they'll also participate in Remembrance Day services November 11th. Katherine Urquhart, Global News.
1: And as a way of saying thank you for their service, Canadian veterans will be able to ride transit for free on November 11th. The free ride is available to all retired and active military personnel and cadets on all TransLink, BC Transit and BC Ferry services. On Remembrance Day, ferries and BC Transit buses will be marking two minutes of silence at 11 a.m. Service members can claim their free ride by showing their military identification or by traveling in uniform
2: still ahead don't get fooled again
0: we're losing more money Uh, we're seeing an increase
2: consumer matters has a warning about what you stand to lose now more than ever
1: by shopping online and the major dump of snow on the north shore mountains ski season can't be far off can it waiting for a tow truck to arrive on scene to this
10: stalled semi on the Portman Bridge. It's eastbound at the west end in the right Surrey exit lane. It's really only affecting the Surrey exit lanes. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermat Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Portman Bridge.
1: Online purchase scams are targeting a younger demographic and taking more money with each incident. That's according to the Better Business Bureau.
2: Consumer Matters reporter Ann joins us now with more on how to avoid the most reported scam this year, especially as we head into the holiday shopping season, Ann.
16: Thanks, Chris. Yeah, more than 35% of all reports to the Better Business Bureau Scam Tracker website are for online purchase fraud, which is increasing during COVID. It happens when you order something you either don't receive or you get an item that's counterfeit or not as advertised. In 70% of scam reports, the product never arrives. The average loss rising 34% since 2019 from $94 to $126 this year. Pet-related frauds are the most prevalent And the French Bulldog is the top dog breed used in online purchase scams. Meantime, the 18 to 24 age group had the highest likelihood of loss at 81%. They also lost the most money at about $155 per scam.
0: We're losing more money. Uh, We're seeing an increase. Um, And again, people are more connected than they've ever been. COVID's made shopping online very normal. Um, And it's not just shopping on the old internet or through Google. It's also through Facebook and through other sites that you spend a lot of time on. So I think it's really important now more than ever that you take a look at the information you're reading and and make sure it's trustworthy information. Do your research on the business um, and don't just make an impulse decision because it sounds like a great deal.
16: Also, avoid making quick purchases while scrolling social media. Scammers can track your buying behaviors and try to lure you by offering what are low prices. And beware of fake websites. Check the URL. Look for contact information like a physical address. Watch for bad grammar. Read online reviews and do a search of the company. Finally, when shopping online, the Better Business Bureau says you should try to pay with a credit card or PayPal. Both methods are secure and traceable. They also offer a dispute process if things go sideways and you need a refund as opposed to gift cards or a wire transfer where there's no way of getting your money back. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at globalnews.ca. All right, thanks very
2: much, Anne.
1: Just ahead, a place to call home. How a woman with autism was able to achieve a new level of independence at the age of 29.
2: And coming up later in sports, the acrobatic antics of Canucks goalie Thatcher Demko.
3: Watch the Global News and 980 CKNW Leadership Series every Saturday and Sunday in partnership with Fortis BC. That's energy at work.
10: Traffic is steady in both directions over here on Highway 99 through the Massey Tunnel. Just recently cleared a stall northbound at the north end. Creating your dream kitchen? Elevate your cooking and entertaining with Thermador's 1-2 free offers. Purchase a qualifying kitchen and get an Emerald dishwasher and more. Visit Thermador.ca. I'm Trish Wilson and Global One at the Massey Tunnel.
2: We're learning more about the tragedy at a concert in Houston, Texas. Eight people died when Travis Scott took the stage at the Astroworld Festival.
1: Multiple agencies are working through criminal investigations right now, while the rapper and organizers are facing a growing number of civil suits filed by the families of the victims.
8: Survivors will tell you these horrific images don't fully capture the fear and panic that night.
1: I couldn't breathe, like, I really
10: couldn't breathe, gasping for air, like, drowning in people.
8: A sea of fans, 50,000 or more, surging toward the stage. Eight people, caught in that wave, killed. (laughs) There were cries for help in the chaos. This woman climbing a camera riser. Travis Scott did pause multiple times during his performance. But the show would go on. Today, the family of 21-year-old Axel Costa, who died at the concert joined others who have filed civil suits against the rapper claiming negligence and encouragement of violence. In 2015, Scott pleaded guilty to reckless conduct after urging fans to rush past security at the Lollapalooza Music Festival in Chicago. Two years later, he was arrested in Arkansas after again telling fans to bypass security and crash the stage. Several people were injured, including a police officer.
4: You go to a concert to have
8: fun, you don't go to a concert to die. His family says Donish Beg died protecting his fiance.
10: And he saved her, and it cost him his life.
8: <laughs> the emotions and pain, still raw, days after the tragedy. There are reports this evening that Scott will be paying for the funerals of all eight fans who died during his show. Jay Gray, NBC News, Houston.
1: A Vancouver apartment complex is proving to be more than just a home to some of the residents who have moved in.
8: The building
2: includes more than a dozen suites for people living with developmental disabilities, giving them the opportunity to live on their own. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, that has a positive impact
9: not only on the tenants, but their families too. It's only been a week, but Taryn Batchelor's new apartment already feels like home. The 29 year old living with autism is thrilled. She has a place to call her own. I'm happy
3: to be here. Yeah.
9: Tired of living with uh, my (laughs) dad? Kind of. (laughs) Taryn, one of 16 people with developmental disabilities, now living independently in a new building on Main Street. It's an opportunity her parents always envisioned for her one day but we were unsure if it would ever materialize.
8: For a long time, we've all thought, you know, from when Karen was very young, so you know, what's going to happen in the future? And those concerns were, have been with us ever since.
7: You know, the pride that, that she was just so ready and so happy to be out on her own, that, um, that was just overwhelming.
9: This is the first of its kind development in Metro Vancouver, probably in B.C., The funding for the attached support services comes from a donation by the Morris and Helen Belkin Foundation. The city of Vancouver provided the land. The federal government provided a low-cost loan. And Catalyst Community Developments agreed to include the 16 units as part of its plans. PALS Adult Services Society says this is a model that has the potential to help house thousands of young adults aging out of the school system.
1: What's special about this program is that um, we're not just finding housing for them, we're also providing a community within a community.
9: The building will have an attached health clinic and a community connector who can help integrate everyone in the building. Taryn already has a network of support in her new home. Her childhood friend Casey lives a few floors up. And her new roommate, a UBC student, is helping her with things like learning to cook.
13: I live with a roommate
16: named Samantha. Do
9: you like it? Yeah.
16: How's Samantha? She's a good cook.
9: Mom and dad say they are so lucky for this opportunity. Aaron Macarthur, Global News.
1: Still ahead, the return of the Vegas buffet.
9: We'll go through 3,500 pounds of crab legs in
3: one night.
1: Gambling that big appetites will come back to eat.
2: And what a careful study of the UBC windstorm reveals about its unusual power to knock down all those trees.
9: Take a moment to reflect. BC remembers. Live on Global BC
2: and BC One, Thursday, November 11th. This program
3: is brought to you by the Royal Canadian Legion to honor Canada's veterans.
11: You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
1: Environment Canada has confirmed it was a tornado that touched down near UBC on Saturday. The fast-moving storm uprooted trees and sent debris flying everywhere near campus when it hit at 5.10 Saturday evening. The weather office says the tornado was packing winds of up to uh, 90 to 110 km per hour. It's classified as an EF0, that's the lowest rank of tornado. The damage from the storm is still being cleaned up along University Boulevard and a number of hiking trails in Pacific Spirit Park are still closed. Although not entirely unheard of around here, tornadoes are extremely rare in this part of the world. And here's
2: another trail that's closed. The Grouse Grind is still closed because of heavy snow. Footage from a Grouse Mountain webcam shows a layer of snow blanketing the area. The snow is obviously making conditions a little slippery on the grind, and that's more dangerous for any hiker The Metro Vancouver Regional District says park staff will continue assessing the conditions and advise when it's safe to reopen.
1: Skiers are so excited. Are they ever. There's a lot of snow up there. (laughs) And more on the way.
2: That's right. Cash is in for Christy tonight.
1: Hello.
0: Hi. Hi. And instead of snow, we're talking about winds. But I will show you some beautiful snow-capped mountains as well. So this is a sign of things to come. We already have strong winds on the central coast. Karen calls this wind play. Uh, And in Burnaby this morning, guys, look at this. Snow-capped mountains under those, uh, well, beautiful sunny skies and the fall colors. Thanks to Anne for that and the golden ears, thanks to rosemary. Just gorgeous. You can see that distinct snow line. Okay, the lower mainland. Tonight, temperature is going down to an overnight low of 7. The rain arrives through the overnight, and so do the strong, gusty conditions. Tomorrow, it's just showers through the day, but very windy. Look at these peak wind gusts that we've already seen. Just in the last hour, 629 Sandspit clocked 107 kilometer per hour wind gusts, and just adjacent to uh, the central coast at 6, 100. 131 peak wind gusts at Herbert Island, isn't that something? So we do have watches and warnings in place, or watches, I should say, in the red. 80 to 100 kilometer per hour wind gusts arriving tonight for these areas, if it hasn't started for you already. And in the green, and it does include Metro Vancouver and House Sound, lower or, you know, your winds are going to be as intense, but... uh, Intense enough to merit an advisory. Southeasterlies of 50 to 70 kilometer per hour wind gusts, but 90 to 110 up here, and we've been seeing that already. And it should be easing tomorrow late afternoon. But with the system, we also have snow, with heaviest amounts over the Cokahala. Hope to merit 10 to 15 centimeters and. This will mostly be had tomorrow afternoon. Now, here's the low situated off the coast or to the west of Haida Gwaii, and it takes a while to make its way over there. It's not until tomorrow afternoon that it makes its landfall, and then we start to see the system break up a little bit. We may have a break in precipitation come Wednesday over coastal sections, so that's something some of us may be looking forward to. Hey, it was a beautiful day today. Up in the north, we've got periods of snow, two to four centimeters of snow in the northeast of the province. To the south, this is where we we've got periods of wet snow changing over to rain for you in the Columbia region. It's just periods of rain for the Okanagan, 9 degrees high in Kelowna. Over here, Vancouver Island, we start to clear out tomorrow afternoon the possibility of thunderstorms for you in Tofino, and there's your long range for Metro Vancouver, so gusting to 70k overnight. I want to show you your Centra Windows weather window. This one is brought to us by Jean Carnes of the Golden Ears. Again, those beautiful snow-capped mountains, guys. Wow, that looks like a postcard. Yeah. Or a
1: painting Oh, nice. Thank you, Kasha.
2: All right, Squires here with a look ahead to sports and some pretty exciting hockey being played occasionally by the Canucks.
6: Well, actually, yesterday's game was not bad. Mm. They actually scored in the power play three times. We haven't seen that in a while. Uh, Pedersen got one on the power play. JT Miller got a couple. And the uh, Canucks players believe... That they play in front of one of the best goalies in the NHL. But Thatcher Demko says when you ask him, we ain't seen nothing yet.
15: You know, I think I've made strides the last couple years, but I still think that I can be a lot better. I'm
6: not sure if it gets much better than a save like this one from last night. But if he can get even better, sure, why not?
2: He's turning into the human highlight reel. Thanks, Squire. Also, Vegas is back, baby. The return of the all-you-can-eat buffet luring hungry gamblers back to the Strip.
1: Yesterday was a good day.
6: It was a good day. <laughs> be a Vancouver fun. sports fan, yeah, for fun. sure. And, uh, I mean, we talked about Thatcher Demko. Mm-hmm. Vancouver is blessed with two very good goalies right now. Thatcher Demko and, of course, the man who guards the net, Maxime Crapo, for the uh, Vancouver Whitecaps, who made a huge save right at the end of the game yesterday to get Vancouver in the playoffs. Okay, now we already knew after uh, the tie yesterday against Seattle that the Whitecaps would play Sporting Kansas City in round one of the playoffs should mention this year they lost to sporting early in the year when Vancouver wasn't very good and beat them later in the year when Vancouver was much better we found out today that the game will be November 20th that's a Saturday two o'clock our time in Kansas City it's a one-game playoff and the winner will play the winner of Real Salt Lake and Seattle yesterday after the Whitecaps qualified for the playoffs with that 1-1 tie against the Sounders Vanny Sartini in the uh, post-game press conference brought in all his assistant coaches, all the ones he could find, to share the glory.
5: I say every time that the team is the leader, the group is the leader, not only the player. The reason why we made the playoff is because we have a fantastic staff. So we, I want to say publicly thank to Youssef, Ricardo, Drew, Luke, Mike, and JP. That is not here because he's already drunk, drinking some uh, whatever, <laughs> but it's okay. Without a good stuff. You don't do anything. So everything that I do well, when you guys see hey, the coach, the coach, is not the coach. He's the group, okay? Always. So I want to thank you guys, and I want to give you a big round of applause.
6: I agree with Barry. He's the most interesting man in the world. He's way more interesting than that guy. Way more. <laughs> give him the full-time job right mm-hmm. now. Okay. There was a time way back when where Vancouver was considered a goalie graveyard. If you were a goaltender and you put on a Canucks uniform and played in this town, suddenly you couldn't stop pucks or criticism. But that actually changed in a big way when Roberto Luongo was brought here from Florida, then Corey Schneider played very well, Ryan Miller had some good years, of course, Jacob Markstrom. We'll throw in Eddie Lack as well. And now Thatcher Demko, who is becoming an elite netminder.
9: Radulov with Ben, Radulov cutting in, deep shivers,
15: You know, I, I tell you guys a lot. Um, you know, I just try to make as many saves as I can. and You know, the fashion of those saves is unpredictable and, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm human too. You know, it feels good to make a cool save every once in a while, for sure.
14: Except every once in a while for Thatcher Demko is more like every game. Not only is he one of the NHL's busiest goalies, logging the second most minutes in the crease, his 317 shots faced, Trails only Robin Lehner for most by a starting goalie. Yeah,
15: he's been uh, he's been unbelievable for us. I think it's just his consistency. Um, obviously, it's it's tough to play uh, a lot of games I and mean, play as as much as he does and face many shots. And you know, as a, an as an elite goaltender, and he's I mean just makes remarkable saves. And, and like I said, just gives us a chance to win every night.
14: This is the other side of Thatcher Demko that you don't get to see. Under the Watch Live Canucks goalie coach Ian Clark, Demko is constantly working on his technique, trying to get better and improve on his last effort. There's no question he's earned his number one starter status, two seasons removed from serving as Jacob Markstrom's understudy.
2: We've seen progression from Demmer, right from his first year pro. And uh, when you see that progression, you're happy for guys when they when they become really the player that
9: they they are in the league you know you're going to get an honest effort from him every single night. And um, from talking to him, it sounds like he's worked extremely hard to get there. Um, it wasn't necessarily uh, just given to him. He, he, he really did have to work. So um, you got to respect that part of it, uh, too, that he, uh, he's a guy that's willing to put in the effort
14: a guy who's also fiercely competitive someone who's also become a leader on the ice and in the room for the Canucks you
15: know he speaks up uh, at, you know at uh, good times which is which is unheard of really for a goalie and um, you yeah, know he's he's just awesome to have in our in our room
6: now Demko is a Canucks draft choice that has paid off the Canucks also feel early returns on Vasilije Podkolzin are looking good as well. Now, he's not been asked to do a lot so far this year. They just want him to get acclimatized in the NHL. Then they'll add duties. But one part of his game that's already looking NHL ready is his shot. He has scored two in his last three games, including a top shelfer against Dallas last night.
15: He's probably got by far one of the hardest shots on our team. Just his wrist shots, you know, elite and and NHL caliber wrist shot. And I mean, yeah, it seems like every goal he scored, he's put it in the top shelf and, and buried it. So, I mean, it's it's promising to see as from a young guy. And um, But, yeah, all the guys love him. I think they just love that he's just quiet, goes about himself, works his butt off, and, and uh, you know, he brings it every night, and that's all you can ask from a young guy. There is much
6: rejoicing in Seattle. Doctors have cleared Russell Wilson to start throwing footballs again, and if all goes well... He can start the Seahawks next game, which will be Sunday afternoon in Green Bay. Wilson had surgery on his middle finger of his throwing hand October 8th. Some thought he'd have to miss as many as five or six games, but it looks like he will only have to have missed
11: three. This is a remarkable story of recovery. And uh, really a, a guy set intent that he was going to do this and pull it off. And I mean, he's way, way ahead of schedule. And uh, we just came off the practice field and he threw the ball all over the place so he he um he did really well for the first time out um in a limited amount of plays but um you know we'll just go one day at a time see how it goes and, and i know he's thrilled to be back everybody's excited to see him back out here and, and uh so it's it's an amazing accomplishment
6: what we don't know yet is if aaron Rodgers will be able to play that game between green mm-hmm. bay and seattle very quickly uh two of three two blue jays are finalists for American League MVP. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Marcus Simeon, the guy they'll face is Shohei Ohtani of the Angels. He's the favorite to win, but two of three Blue Jays are finalists, and Robbie Ray of the Jays is a finalist for the American League. Cy Young, he might win that award.
2: All right. Wish Jays luck. Thanks very much, Squire.
1: Up next, how Las Vegas is feeding our hunger to get back to normal. Stay with us. Well, New York's got pizza. Philadelphia has the cheesesteak and Texas has its barbecue, but Las Vegas has a little bit of it all.
2: Actually, Vegas has a lot of it all. Yes, the all-you-can-eat buffet is back in Las Vegas, and you can bet you'll get your money's worth.
3: Las Vegas learned early how to satisfy any appetite. But before the Rat Pack crooned, acrobatics defied the laws of gravity. Or divas demanded our adoration.
16: Cause I'm your lady.
3: Food took center stage. Now, an American tradition, the all-you-can-eat buffet, started here. Part smorgasbord, part trough. Friday nights we do a seafood night. We'll go through 3,500 pounds of crab legs in one night. Is it impressive or appalling, or a little bit of both? I think it's impressive. Michael Kennedy oversees this buffet at the South Point Hotel Casino off the Strip. Seven days a week, roughly 2,500 grazing gamblers eat here. It's old school Vegas value. A $9.95 breakfast includes bottomless Bloody Marys.
15: We are a loss leader. We're here to draw guests into our casino,
3: and it certainly works. Anthony Curtis publishes the Las Vegas Advisor a monthly insider's guide to this city's limitless temptations. He says buffets here keep evolving, like Vegas itself.
14: A lot of it has been every next buffet trying to do better than the one before and become the buffet in Vegas.
3: Which makes it like every other part of Vegas. Vegas
14: is uh, the most competitive city in the world.
3: But starting last March here, nothing could compete with COVID. Sin City shut down. All 60 Vegas buffets stopped serving. Only 11 have reopened. Anything you need, my friend, let us know, OK? Including the Bacchanal Buffet at Caesar's Palace, the luxe end of gluttony. $75, the priciest pig out in the city. Does the buffet reflect the, the general decadence of Vegas in general?
6: Oh, 100%. If If you walk through our buffet, you will have exactly that sensory overload. You don't know where to start, where to begin.
3: If you can't find what you're in the mood for here, that's on you. Nine ethnic cuisines. 280 different dishes.
6: The buffets were the very first thing to close down. And then the strip closed down right after. These are one of the last things to come back now. I think it's a huge indicator that, you know, Vegas is back.
3: That means two things. Millions every year will leave Vegas poorer, but no one will leave here hungry. I'm Mark Strassman. The hummus is good. yeah. Yeah. Eating myself silly in Las Vegas, Nevada.
0: We're all hungry now.
2: (laughs) I don't know know if
1: I am.
0: (laughs) I
2: don't know if Strassman could finish everything on that table. Our buddy Michael Buble is going to have to watch his weight down there when he does a residency in uh, 2022. Keep those tuxedos fitting.
1: All right, uh, Kasia, final word on the weather forecast. Yeah, the rain and the very strong winds arrive through the overnight,
0: especially for coastal sections. We've got wind advisories and warnings in effect, upwards of 100k winds, again, for outer coastal sections. Periods of rain tomorrow, but that means also snow at higher levels and parts of the interior tomorrow.
2: More excitement for the skiers and Mm -hmm. snowboarders, for sure. Thanks very much, Kasia, and thank you for watching. Have a good night.
1: Good night, all.